Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Good afternoon, Midtown family. It is an honor, a joy, a privilege to be back with you guys after all these years. I'll be ever remiss if we don't continue this celebration by putting our hands together for Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the only reason in which we all get a chance to come here together and celebrate. Secondly, I want to thank each of you. You know, the beauty of three years later, for some of you we haven't met, we were blessed to plant the church at Ridgebrook, and we have a couple of people from the church here today who we love and thank God for, and we were blessed to plant it. I mean, you guys were one of the first churches to just lay hands on us and pray for us. And can you believe these coming months, we celebrate our three-year anniversary in December. So thank you guys for partnering for your prayers. And come and hang out on October 29th. So come eat some of that butch barbecue, amen. Come on over. Um, I can't not say enough about the man I call the multi-site bishop. Um, I don't think blood could bring us closer together. The only people I pray with more than I pray with him are the people I live with under my roof. Uh, Ten years ago, we met through John and Donna Avan, who are members of this church, who called us to serve together. And him and I started our footsteps together. And since then, he's been faithful, he's been fruitful, and he's always finessed. Look at him. I mean, just right there. So I always say blood can bring us close. And then his beautiful wife, Shannon, who could ask for a better great bride. Amen. So thank God for that sweet sister there. So we're grateful. Um, All right, guys, we're about ready to join in. So if you could turn your Bibles to John chapter 4, I'll talk a little bit about how we got here today, and then my prime rib, the sugar in my tea, will take it from there. This is such a joy for me. Can y'all believe three babies later still looking this good? Amen. Look, I'm just so excited. Where did they go? Listen, y'all, 18 and a half years later, and we're still together. 11 years we made September 15th of this year, so... I am so thankful to have this honor today. So thank you, sweetie pie. All right, if you're at John chapter 4, Jay and I were at breakfast at good old Scramble Jake's. Any of y'all eat there? So we were having some breakfast at Scramble Jake's, and I told him about my wife and I, we traditionally go visit her side of the family in Memphis, Tennessee, so we go get some barbecue, right? And so we go out there and meet with her family, and um, I said, Brother, on the way home, you know, you don't really get this many uninterrupted hours with a six, four, and a one-year-old. So the babies blessed us and went to sleep. And I said, sweetie, what would you really like to see God do in your life? How do you want to really see him use you in this season? And she said, Andrew, I would like to present this ministry for the rest of my days. And when she broke down what it was, I said, sweetie, when we get back home to Knoxville, our church is going to do this for the rest of the year. I said, girl, you should have been saying it to me that way so I could have stopped teaching my stuff a long time ago. So when I told Jay about what our church was being blessed by and going over, he called Ashley on the phone and said, would you come speak to us? So I'm really her sidekick today, but I will bring some, 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 hopefully some love as well. So, sweetie, what is this thing we're getting ready to talk about today out of John 4? Well, the name of it is Ugly. I know, right? <laughs> And so, we all know the definition of ugly, right? 
Yeah, we've heard it before. We know what it is. Um, but I did go look it up, and it said that it meant gruesome, mm. unpleasant, hideous. Everything that we already know, ugly to be. And so I said, okay, well, that sounds like some stuff that I grew up hearing. That sounds like some things that we grew up calling some people or some things, you know? We would hear stuff like, oh, ooh, he's ugly, ooh. He's ugly or she's ugly. Or, ooh, those shoes, not your shoes, but ooh, those shoes so ugly, you know? Or that car is ugly. And then some people even took it a little bit deeper. They would say stuff like, your personality is ugly. What you've gone through is ugly. You did that? Oh, that's real ugly. Mm. That was done to you? Oh, yeah, that's not pretty at all. And so when I told my husband about it, and I started thinking about the ways that we look at ourselves, our outward appearance, and we call ourselves or call something ugly, and then it takes it a little bit deeper. My husband says, well, it sounds like moving from the superficial to the supernatural. And I said, oh, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. And so God began to reveal to me that he came for the ugly people. Mm. He came for a people that were not even born in prettiness, that we were born into an ugly world. That's how we were shaped. That's how we were molded into an ugly existence. But his love is so much greater than that. So he gave me an acronym for ugly, and it stands for unveiling God's love for you. Amen. Because he said it was all about getting to know his love and what that meant. And knowing that he loves me, knowing that he loves all of you in all of our ugliness. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you, Father, for coming for your ugly people. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that um, you are even here now, Father. God, that your presence is, is, is present. And Father, I pray that as we go and we journey through your word, oh God, that you will get the glory. Mm -hmm. God, like you always do, that you would show yourself mighty, mm. that you would show yourself strong, that you would show yourself faithful. Speak to our hearts, God. Go beyond our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to go ahead and read the first 10 verses of John chapter 4. Go right ahead and start it, sweetie. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, 
near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, weary, tired as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Everybody say the sixth hour. Let's break it down in English. Twelve noon. Amen. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, sister, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaria. Jesus answered sister girl and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The name of today's message is Ugly, Unveiling God's Love for You. We're going to look through these verses and see how God's love is given and how God's love is received. Sweetie, take us away. Amen. So when we look at the first, the first couple of verses, we see that Jesus is about to leave. He's about to leave because he knew that the Pharisees had heard, had heard that he was baptizing and gaining more disciples, but it wasn't even him mm -hmm. that was baptizing and gaining more disciples. It, it was his disciples mm -hmm. who were baptizing and gaining more disciples. And so back in chapter three, we see that an argument broke out about who was baptizing and gaining more disciples. But did Jesus stay there? Even though they were wrong, he didn't stay. He said, you know what? It's not even me who's baptizing and gaining more disciples. Because he knew that the Pharisees, he knew what they were all about. They were some self-righteous people who were only concerned about the outer. They were only concerned about the outer appearance of being self-righteous. Mm -hmm. But Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. That they looked all shiny on the outside, but on the inside they were dead. Their souls were corrupted. So, you know, Jesus said, I'm not going to stay here. This is a conflict about baptizing and gaining more disciples. I'm leaving. And, that, and I'm sure for me now, that would have been very difficult for me. Because I would have said, wait a minute. No, that's not me. Y'all got it wrong. This was them. This is not me. This is not the way the story goes. And sometimes we find ourselves getting caught up in untimely conflicts. But Jesus himself did not get caught up in an untimely conflict. He decided to leave anyway, not because he was scared, but because he had an appointment to make. Mm. He was getting somewhere. He needed to go somewhere. So he didn't even have a point to prove to them. He just decided to go anyway. So um, this was hard for me, amen? Especially when I know I'm right. Now, it's one thing if you're accusing me of something and I'm wrong. It's another thing to accuse me for something and I'm right. All right, let me keep it really real. So I married this beautiful sister, as I told y'all earlier, back in 2012, get on a knee, go to the altar. Y'all know the two words you say, I do. And when I got home, one week later, 
I think I would have been divorced if it wasn't for Jesus. <laughs> Can a preacher keep it real just today? Amen. And I'm going to tell you how I would have been divorced because I didn't realize the day I got married, the biggest lie I told was at the altar. We got into it about whether you roll up cereal or put a clip on it. I'm just keeping it real. So all this good Jesus stuff and the Pharisees and he walked away. Nah, doc, that wasn't me. And so I remember this one knockdown, drag out argument we had. I was in the Lord this day. I said, sweetie, it's the preacher. The Bible says right here, you got to do it like this. I pulled out the Bible and everything. She said, Andrew, you think I care about what the Bible says right now? All I want you to do is listen. And I'm like, number one, how am I going to love his Christ of the church and give myself up for her if I can't even lay down my ears for her? Hard to die for somebody you can't listen to. And number two, I realize here it is, knock down, drag out with this woman I said I love and I give my life to. And I realize I lied at the altar. I told her I do. But the issue was I was still more married to my point than I was to her. The reason why the conflict that you're looking at in the Bible didn't occur because Jesus didn't have a point to be married to. John 4 said his fool was to do the will of the one who sent him and finish his work. The will of God wasn't important to me, but my point was. You can clap for that, sister. That's all right. They'll join you. Go ahead, go ahead, my sister with the beautiful hair. You can keep on going. Amen. They'll join you. Hey, this is midtime. So what I look at is before I could marry my wife and before I could marry the will of God, I had to first divorce my point before I could say I do. So if you want to know what Ash is ultimately saying here about this conflict that Jesus walked away from, the greatest way to give love for God is what you choose not to give your attention to. Eventually, we're going to have to say, point, I divorce you. Point, you don't have sovereignty over my life. Point, you're going to stop me from talking any kind of way to a person that God gave me to love and cherish. It's not about my point. It's about your will. So the first thing that had to happen here in this text that we'll traditionally run past to get to the woman at the well, right? Oh, it's just a little text that says, oh, he went the other way when he heard the Pharisees. No, 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 no. That's deep stuff. He chose not to give into a conflict that he was right about because he never had a point to prove. He was already divorced because he was married to his father. And he always did his will. You're going to have a great marriage. You're going to have a great single life. You're going to have a great relationship. If you want to see forgiveness and healing happen in your life and your family, start by having a divorce ceremony. Divorce your point. Get into God's will, and you'll realize every drama isn't worthy of your attention. Because Jesus has somewhere to get to at 12 o'clock noon. And if he would have gave himself to a conflict, the person that needed him wouldn't have gotten him. What if conflicts are holding us up from getting to the people that need us most? So no, Jesus said, I'm not about to let a conflict that doesn't deserve my attention hold me down. I'm not going to let a conflict cause me to not love a person that God has given me to love. I don't care what they tone sound like. That was my big one. I'm not using that tone. I don't care. 
I'm not going to let a tone of a human being stop me from getting to what God has for me. Divorce your point. Every drama isn't worthy of your attention, and you'll get to where you got to get to at 12 noon. Conflict. 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 The next part I'm equally excited about, my wife let me have some fun on this next one. Take a look at verses 1 and 2 one more time. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than who? All right, y'all. Everybody say his name. Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. So now we got this random dude who pops up named John. Now I need y'all to look at the screen. I don't want y'all to turn. Take a look at verse 25. Let's see what happened with this John character. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. A, a discussion. This wasn't a discussion. This was an argument. Amen? I know the Bible's being cute right here. A discussion arose. They were getting into it right here over some church stuff. Oh, church people get into it too. Y'all knew that, right? Oh, let's keep reading. And they came to John and said, listen to what John's disciples came to him and said. This is his disciples, the people of the church. Rabbi John, he, who is Jesus, was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness. Look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. These folks were creating competition of who baptized the most. Now y'all looking at this, does that sound ignorant or ignorant? Do y'all believe we find anything to argue about? John, look, your cousin is baptizing more people than you are now. Baptism was our business. This dude cutting into the prophet. <laughs> Laugh now. Y'all going to hear my voice later. <laughs> y'all going to hear me later. Might not hear me now, but you'll hear me later. So, all right, y'all cutting into the prophet. So, John's own disciples... The people of the church are creating this. Here it is. Next C, conflict, competition. Between two believers, two preachers, two teachers, two leaders, conflict is being created by the people closest to him. Competition is being created. He's getting more than us. Oh, it's almost finished. The next three verses read it like this. 27, John answered these jokers, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. See, here's my concern with the body of Christ. We have confused ownership with stewardship. You were not made to own anything on this earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So now I'm disturbed with us because our name is on something. We assume that God no longer owns it. When did the Bible change? My daughter sings it all the time, Colossians 1. Everything has been created by him and for him. Everything has by him and for him. My wife will back me up. By him and for him, Colossians 1.16. Do you believe it? Because John's disciples didn't believe it. Amen? Let me say it again. John's disciples, followers of Jesus, churchgoers, didn't believe everything believed to belong to God. Baptism belonged to us. 
<laughs> this church building belongs to us. My car, my house, my account belongs to me. And John looks at these guys and says, while y'all are trying to create competition between me and my cousin, do you realize I leaped in the womb when I saw this dude? This too thick right here. I'm not about to let y'all come between what we got. This love we got is real. I love y'all disciples, but y'all got a little more growing to do. So I'm not going to stop going to church because y'all don't understand yet. Y'all just got to mature. I'm not going to kick y'all out the church because y'all don't understand yet. Y'all just have a little more growing to do. Matter of fact, while you're still learning, I'm going to stay with you and wrap my arms around you and just share with you the truth gently. While y'all arguing over these things, let me explain it to you. Did you hear what he said? Look what he said so kindly and politely. Verse 27, one more time. John answered, a person cannot receive even what, church? Look how specific the language of the Bible is. I know there's some things we think we can do without God, but there is nothing we can do without God. Apart from him, we can do nothing. I do not care what a society of achievement and accolades have lied and said to us. That's a lie from the pit of hell. All things are held together by God. We can't do one thing. We can't even grow one hair on our head without the word of God. Don't you fall into this stuff. Amen? So they being petty, John keeping it real. You can't do one thing unless it's given to you from heaven. You yourselves bore my witness when I said to you, look, I'm not the Christ. We should look in the mirror sometimes and say, I'm not the Christ. Every time you try to solve a problem by yourself, I'm not the Christ. Every time you don't want to tell anybody what you're going through, I'm not the Christ. Even the Christ prayed. But I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. Don't forget those words. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly. I'm too busy rejoicing while y'all trying to make us compete. I jumped in the womb. I jumped right now. I'm not about to let y'all trip me up in my praise. The only job I got to do is rejoice because he's the one. He ends by saying, therefore, the joy of mine is now complete. This is where I end. How do you get past competition? He must increase, I must decrease. The, the way I stop competing with people who love me and even people who don't is remembering he must increase, I must decrease. Ashley, give us a story on how you uh, didn't do that so well. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have an older sister. Um, she's about, she's almost six years older than me. And so we went to the same high school. And here I come, you know, my sister was, all the teachers loved her. Y'all listen, I love my sister, okay? She is, I talk to her like five times a day, I think. Um, we are super close. We love each other. She's always encouraged me. We encourage each other. But when I was in school, all the teachers loved her too. Oh, Adrian. Oh, you're so smart. You're so sweet. Oh, 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 oh. You know, and so when I got there, oh, hey, Ashley. And I was like, hey, they were, and they started talking to me, and they said, oh, you're nothing like Adrian. And I said, let me, let me tell you. I said, let me tell you exactly what I said. That's why my mama named her Adrian, and she named me Ashley. Ooh. And I'm going to show you just how different I could be. Mm. 
And so I became everything opposite of my sister on purpose. Everything opposite. I didn't do my work good. I had a bad attitude. They were like, I just can't believe this is your sister. I was like, believe it. Yeah, believe it. <laughs> but it was the competition mm -hmm. that they, and I didn't do that well. Unlike John, unlike Jesus, I didn't do that well. But people can put you against other people, and we put ourselves against other people and not even know it. We don't even think about it. People put husbands and wives against each other. But see, I'm so thankful that I have a husband that doesn't look to compete with me, and I don't look to compete with him. But he looks to edify me every chance he gets. His, his thinking is if I'm shining, we're shining together. I know who I am. You know who you are. John was special. Jesus was special. These were special people. They did not have to compete against each other, but they complimented yes. each other. They loved each other. They knew their roles. We are one body. Made of? Many parts. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't desire to be another part of the body, but operate in what God has given to you mm -hmm. and to me. So they came out of competition, I believe, by focusing on complimenting each other. And that can be done, yes, by working together, but verbally as well, amen? If we live in sarcasm, how are we ever going to live safe? If it's more comfortable to be sarcastic just because that's the way we grew up, that's how guys talk, and we treat our spouses like locker room talk, when do we ever get a chance to not let unwholesome talk come from our lips except that which is good for building others up according to their needs? Ephesians 4, 29. So even though these verses that we're into oftentimes are skipped past because we haven't even made it to the woman at the well, we're showing you what Jesus didn't give himself to so he could give himself to her. So the way we can give and receive God's love is not by doing or just coming to the trunk of treatise. When you leave here, here's what I choose not to give myself to so I can be there by 12 noon. Amen? All right, I need to know our time, multi-site bishop, so I can know when we rally this thing home. Seriously, I need to know, is it 5.30? Use it 5.17. Like, can someone please give me the real time? 5.30? 5.30? No, I see it's possible. What time do y'all normally go home? All right, y'all playing now. I'm telling y'all, look, everybody's playing. All right. All right, so we got two final thoughts, and we'll be wrapped up. Sweetie, take us to the next thought. So what was the first thing we dealt with? Do y'all remember? Conflict. Everybody say? The big idea was divorce your point. Good job. We just talked about competition. When people try to bring that mess your way instead of competing, what was the other C word we can do? We can compliment each other, amen? So even if someone says they're doing it better than you, great. I love the fact they can do it better. Because the Bible told me consider other people better than myself anyway. When you win, we all win. So I'm great. Please, please tell me how good he's doing. Send me a report next week on how much better he's doing. Amen? That's how you win that war. Because it's all for who? God, get out of ownership versus stewardship. He owns it all even if your name is on it. Amen? That's going to help you be willing to give it up when seasons change. Yeah, if he's giving it to you, he really wants you to distribute it. You understand that, right? So don't get attached to that, and it'll get us out of competing. Ashley, take us home, baby. 
Well, I wanted to touch on verse six because this is we give and we receive love um, from God. And verse six says that Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Mm -hmm. And so that word right there, wearied, means that he was tired. And some commentators said it meant that he was utterly tired. He was so, so, so fatigued. He was so tired. That was a long journey that he had to take. So now what he decides to do is he decides to rest. He said, I'm going to just take it easy for a minute. And I love that about Jesus because he was 100% God, mm -hmm. but he was 100% man. man. And so he felt that humanity creeping up on him. And I'm tired. I need to rest. But a lot of times with us, we don't say that. Mm -hmm. Oh, we say I'm tired, but we don't rest. Mm. We keep going. Mm. Our body's falling apart. Our mind is falling apart. Everything is falling apart. But we feel like we have to keep going. It's a word that we use now called self-care. Mm. But we don't take care of ourselves. A lot of times we don't. Mark 12 and 31 says this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's good. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if we're not loving ourselves, how are we going to love somebody else? But I have to take care of my kids. I got to take care of the business. I got to do this. I got to do that. I have to do this. And we're not even taking the time out to rest. Mm. Jesus knew that he had to do this. This week, we were supposed to go out of town and have a big, grandiose fall break. But the day that we were supposed to leave, our son had 102 fever. And so then everybody, I saw everybody in the house, it started trickling down. Everybody started catching whatever this thing was. And so now, instead of us going out of town, I'm up cleaning up vomit. I'm up nursing my son all through the night. I'm up doing all of these things. And Andrew's like, just, I'll take the kids. They're feeling a little better. Just rest. No, I don't want to rest. I want to go out. I want to go out with you all. I want to have a good time. No, just, just take it easy. Just rest. I took it. And I just sat and watched the trees for a minute. I took a bath, you know, like we always taking showers. She does that right now. I took, I took, yeah, I took a bath. But I took a bath. I sat to notice myself, to take care just a minute of myself. And then I got back to it. But that's the thing about Jesus is that he didn't stay rested there. But right when he was resting, the woman began to walk up. Hallelujah. So he took a rest, but then here comes the woman. And I told my husband this. I said, hmm, that was a blessing in his resting. Mm. And there's a blessing in our resting as well. Yes. We have to take care of us, receive from God, so that we can be able to give to other people too. Amen. A final thought is coming from these last few verses. It's talked about conflict and competition. It's talked about the necessity of rest. It's part of God's will for our lives. 
spite of how much we're told to work hard, how many people know working hard is also found in resting hard? So now we rally home. You look at verse 4 and we see some unique words here. And he had to pass through Samaria. And that's great writing from John, but no, he didn't. Uh, the map will tell us that there were other Jews who was of his status that would choose to take the outer skirts and not go through Samaria because Jews and Samaritans had a rugged history. Jews weren't too fond of them because after they were conquered by the Assyrians, they only left those behind who were of low social economic status. These left behind Jews of low social economic status marries people who are non-Jews. So you have a group of people who have some Jewish traditions, but also a little voodoo attached to them. Amen. Some, some things that weren't quite God. So they made this big eclectic type of faith. And Jews said, leave them people there. We taking the long way because even the step on the same dirt that they're on may make us unclean. The reason why Jesus needed to go there because what people call ugly, he may just call beautiful. That even though the other Jews of his day may have walked by and took the scenic route, he says, I need the ugly. I came for the ugly. I came for the broken. I came for the people you're misjudging and trying to judge. I came for the people you're misjudging and trying to judge. If you don't go to the people, it's not the righteous that need a doctor, it's the sick. I came for the people whose soil you refuse to go on. So I need to not give into conflict. I need not to give into competition because I have, my wife challenged me, but I'm going to say this anyway, a hot date to get to. And dates can be man and woman, right? Text goes on. He gets to this woman. Verse 7 tells us, a woman from Samaria came and said, give me this drink. Instantly, she's taken back because rather than even asking him, how thirsty are you? She was too busy looking at his heritage. Because she had been treated so bad by people that were Jews just like him. And Jesus looked at her and said, I know that you see my background, but if you knew the gift of God and who I was, you would ask me and I would give you some living water. Here's what y'all got to look at first. Jesus didn't have no cup, amen? Some of us don't even drink after our own family members. Let me say it again so y'all can really capture how you break down walls. Some of y'all don't even drink after your own family members. Jesus asking to use this same woman's cup that Jews said if you step on the line, you become unclean. Jesus said, give me that cup so we can change the world. Oh, I hope we're awake. So I want to sit from what you got. I understand what you've gone through. I understand what you went through. But you got to understand, sister, I came to you right on time. Because what I understand is that people don't go get water in the middle of the day. Who gets water at 12 o'clock noon? That's when the sun is the hottest. Most women would go and get water either in the morning before the sun was fully up with a group of women or later in the day when the sun was descending so it wasn't as hot outside. 
this sister is at the well by herself at 12 o'clock noon. I'm sure there's a reason for that. Amen? And here's where we end. If y'all want to hit a guitar string, that's fine. 1626 is where we come to a close. 16 tells us a little bit about this woman who's like, hey, dude, like, look, do me a favor, man. Uh, Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty again. I don't want to come here and draw water no more. And Sister Girl didn't realize Jesus was not talking about physical water. He was talking about water that never dries out, water that'll never leave you thirsty again, water that will supply each and every one of your needs according to his riches and glory. He wasn't just talking about something you sip and get thirsty again. He was talking about a drink you drink that will fill you for eternity. So now he breaks it down in verse 16. She wasn't getting that. She was only interested in not coming back to this water. She sister didn't want to walk in the hot of the day no more. So Jesus said to her, look, do me a favor. Go call your husband and come here. The woman said, "Uh, Jesus, I have no husband. Jesus, that's the first thing you got right. You right, you don't have a husband. Matter of fact, you've had five husbands. And the man you living with and you got right now is not your husband. So what you said was right. The woman said, sir, I said you're a prophet. Really? You're not saying he's a prophet. And the story closes with some wonderful words. They talk about church, the woman's concernment, where she worshiped. God says the time is coming where the true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus' disciples come back and they were marveled. He was talking to a woman, verse 27. Why are you talking with her? So the woman left the water jar. Everybody say the woman left her water jar and went away to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out from the town and they were coming to him. And verse 39 is the final verse of the day. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Most people agree that the woman was at that well at 12 noon because she was ashamed of her past. She had five husbands, live with a man right now who was not her husband. Jesus goes to the well and says, will you marry me? I want you broken. I want you dirty. I wrote this down. I want you while you're still under the influence. I never asked you to get yourself together before you came to me. You made that up. You came up with that in your mind. I get the greatest glory when you just open up the well for me. I want you right there, hurting alone in the hottest part of the day, trying to avoid everybody in your village because you know they know about what you've been through. So now, You live a life where you don't deal with people anymore because you've been hurt by people too many times. You've learned how people really are, so you just stay to yourself. Can anybody say amen to that? From business deals to friends to family members, you've learned how people really are. That's what got you so far, your great defense mechanisms. That's what's protected you all these years, but have you been to the well yet? Notice his disciples had a great concern. 
What is this dude doing talking to a woman? They know that people didn't talk to women in public back then. Rabbis didn't even talk to their wives in public or their own daughters. Jesus was breaking all the social norms. Can you put up my only picture today? Please hit that uh, B flat, please, uh, chord for me. Uh, TC, my boy, hit that B flat for me, TC, bring me something. I have a picture. I just have one picture. Ashley, remember the question? Is it up? Did we get it? Just one, one statement, one question. Y'all can give me a thumbs up if we got it today. If not, that's fine. I can read it. The only question I had today, the only question, are we so careful that he, we have become careless? Are we so careful that we have become careless? The Pharisees, they were careful not to step in Samaritan land because they didn't want to become unclean by this dirty group of people. The disciples were careful because they didn't want to talk to a woman in public because that's the way tradition has always had it. I'm not allowed to talk to a woman in public. I got to be careful. The disciples of John were careful. Somebody's going to beat us to the punch. They're trying to take our baptism game. We run this game. Got to be careful that nobody takes my spot. Can't let somebody replace me. Not these younger guys. They can't come and replace me. Not these older guys. They think they know more than me. But you know what I love about Jesus? While others cared less, he cared less. He could care less what other people thought. I can care less that y'all don't talk to women in public. I talk to a woman. I could care less that y'all don't want to step on that land. I'll step on it. I could care less that y'all get into it over pettiness that has nothing to do with saving souls, nothing to do with saving lives, nothing to do with bettering people, but you argue about it day in and day out, day in and day out, and people are burning in hell because we don't care enough. Jesus said, I can care less because here's what I'm going to do. Will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? And because Jesus chose to care less about what people thought, what traditions were, or what anybody had to say, a woman who was afraid of the people of her village came to the revelation that this day, I'm going to steal from you, was never about filling an empty cup with water, but that she was the empty cup that needed to be filled. She then leaves the very cup she had behind, runs to the people she was once afraid of, because in that moment, her faith, her cup 
It wasn't that she went through 10 hermeneutic classes, 20 Bible classes. It was the fact that she had a class of the love of Jesus. This man talks to me. This man loves me. And I got a man that will never leave me. I got Jesus. Come get to know him. And because Jesus chose to take a step of caring, a whole village lives was transformed. Have you drunk from the well? This stuff does not happen in our own strength, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that's what you're hearing today. She didn't leave in her own strength, nor her own power, nor her own wherewithal. She left after she had a drink of the one who died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead. She received of his water. Ashley, will you take us home? She received of his water. She received of his love. See, unveiling God's love for you, for me, for us. God desires to show us and give us his love. And to do that, though, we have to be real with ourselves. And we have to be real with God. Just like he told her, you have five husbands, okay? Jesus wasn't, he wasn't trying to sugarcoat it for her. And see, just like some of the Jews, they went around Samaria. They didn't want to go into the mess. They didn't want to go into the past history of what was, what happened. They didn't want to go into that stuff. But when God gets in the middle of it, when Jesus comes to sit with you, he touches those spots. Jesus touches those innermost spots. He doesn't go around the spot. He doesn't do that. He comes and he makes his dwelling with us. And I love that for all of us today. Here's where we close. Simple. If everybody wouldn't mind just standing to your feet. Very simple request today. You're welcome to come allow us to pray for you. We'll be happy to do that. There are four things we talked about today, period, for those of us who are saved, who know the Lord, which I just believe is majority of this room. Do you struggle with conflict? Is there an argument you cannot avoid? Do you struggle with competition? The fact is, I care a lot about the stuff in this world, and I own a lot of it. And even God himself, I will not give it to him. I'm still competing to be better than my family members. My dad and mother want great in my life. I'm still competing to make sure I never go back to where I came from. If this is still you, hold that one. Number three, rest. I work hard. I grind. Anybody who knows me know I grind. Everybody who knows me know I work hard. I work overtime. I work for my family. I work, I work, I work. I would have never said that that well. I would have took a sip of that water with my foot and kept going, right? I don't rest for nobody or anything. Number four, big one. I can care less. I'm truly apathetic at best if I keep it real. Or I'm truly fearful at most, just to be honest. I, I'm not going to those type places. I, I was raised not to go to this part of town. I'm, I'm not that person. I, I just, no, 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 no. I'm not opening my home. I'm not letting strangers in. I know Jesus said it. Terrified of that stuff. I, that is not me. I can care less. That's the four. 
That's the prayer group. Now you're here today and you've heard a message that has transformed your life. You are that woman. You have gone through something. Your past is dark. Your life is dark. And you're wondering today, is God willing to speak to me? Will God give me living water? The answer is yes. Heaven yes. Amen. So if you're here today and said the truth is, that stuff sounds good, but I haven't even took a drink yet. I'm still living in it. I'm still under the influence. You're a perfect candidate for the job. I wish it was a military commercial. We'll sign you up, right? Jesus has come just for you. And if you're that person, we want to see you. Come to me and my wife. If you're that person today that says, I have not really drinking from the well. I don't have the power to shake the porn, the lies, the deceit, the lust, the sex, the drugs. If that's me today and I have not given it to God so I can sip of him and not give myself to the things of this world, please let us pray for you. There's a Savior here for you today. So again, those four categories, break up into programs of four or five, and don't talk about your mama, your daddy, your sister, your cousin. These are one of the four things that I personally need prayer for today. Can we do that? Amen? Let's break up into prayer groups and just pray for each other about these things. Can we do that? Yes? All right. And if you are in need of what we just offered today, living water, please come see us and I will pray for you. Thank you, Midtown. Let's break into prayer groups, please, real quickly. Four things we're praying for. Which one is you today? Is it conflict? Somebody right next to you. Is it competition? Is it, I just need rest. I need to learn how to rest. So let's just turn to your neighbors. There's two or three people so it doesn't take too long. And then we'll have uh, Bishop come out and close. So let's just pray about those things today. Thank you all so much. Just to a neighbor. Conflict, competition, rest. I could care less. I need courage to care more. And if you have something, if you have something that, that you've been avoiding, that you don't want God to touch, that you have hidden from him. Amen. This is a good time to confess that. Amen. And if you need that living water, come see us.